The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Thomas Diller, former Ole Miss baseball slugger, now with the Milwaukee Brewers. Just got called up to AA Biloxi, so he's back home in Mississippi. He's coming up in just a little bit. Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? That's that's pretty cool. You got to talk to Thomas. Thomas is a good dude. Got to meet him this offseason. Um, he's in the organization that my brother-in-law is with. So, um, yeah, it's cool. I'm, I'm pumped for him. I, I know that, that he thinks pretty highly of him and thinks he has a chance to, um, as he said, if he, if he keeps his body under control, he has a chance to, um, to hit with the best of them. So I think Tom will have a chance to make it, man. He's raking right now, but that should surprise no one. Yeah, he's, he really is a special hitter. I mean, he has, he has MLB type pop. Um, and, and he, he certainly with the right opportunity can make it up there. So, um, good dude, really, really, really nice kid. Um, he d- definitely has the makings to, to make it coming on the modern woman phone line here in about 30 minutes or so. If you haven't already subscribed, rate review, talk of champions and iTunes. And when you do leave a five-star review, it doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars We're found wherever you get your podcasts, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, it doesn't matter. Just simply search Talk of Champions. You'll find us there. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports, where you can get all your fall camp coverage that's going on right now. Today, there is no media availability. Now, from Sunday to Wednesday, it was wide open. Caught up with players, coaches, our annual visit with the coordinators, the one visit we get each year. What is your biggest takeaway from the first four practices? Um, I think that um, if, if, you, if you look at everything, you, I think the boxes are starting to get checked. Um, you know, you, you were expecting the offense to be, to be pretty impressive. And, and I think what you're seeing just by what I'm reading and I mean, obviously I haven't been out there yet. I'm gonna go out there and check it, check it out, you know, pretty soon. Um, but just from what I'm reading, it sounds like the offense really hasn't missed a beat and they're kind of taking like a next step, so to speak. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think so far they've been pretty impressive. Um, the coach has been pretty satisfied with, with, with what's going on. It sounds like there's some good old depth, depth building and, um, you know, guys, guys are, are comfortable from being in the offense for a year. And, and I think you see, you see a team that an offense that was really good last year, really taking that next step and just fine tuning the, the, the little things you have to do to get better. And, and man, I, I expect some really big numbers this year, um, and expect some guys to play really well, but it sounds like we're, we have some pretty good depth on offense, especially in the receiver, um, receiver room. And it sounds like Matt Corral is, is really stepping up being that leader that, um, that, that we knew he was going to be anyways, but yeah, it, it sounds like all the boxes are being checked. Um, as far as the defensive side, I haven't seen a ton of reports on it, but it sounds like they're they're getting a little confidence as well. So I think all the boxes are checked. We don't hear anything negative, so to speak, yet. Has anything surprised you at all? Um, I think I think it's I think it did surprise me that, that John Rice was the 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 clear leader at at slot. 
Um, not not because he can't do it. It's just because it's it's so early. But I mean, that's I think that speaks a lot that he's already being mentioned as hey, a big role, put him in the slot, likely going to be the number one guy. Um, I mean, that's that, that that's pretty fast tracked and and shows what they think of the kid. So um, yeah, that, that sounds like he's got a got a chance. And then um, I think JJ. I think there was a little report about my guy JJ Henry in there somewhere that, that said he looked um, looked much better than most freshmen, which that that was. That was one of my my guys I couldn't wait to see. So I can't wait to go out to practice and watch him play because I, I was pretty high on him from his high school film. And another guy you've been high on after he moved to cornerback because of his size and what he looks like as far as the next level. That's kind of what you see in cornerbacks is Miles Battle, six four, rangy, can really go up and get him. He's running with the first team right now. And you said last year when he got moved, he had an NFL body, and I kind of scoffed at it. But now if you look at it, he's quickly made a rise up the depth chart, and now. When you think of Ole Miss defensively, Miles Battle, he's factoring in big time now. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you look at a guy like Miles Battle, he got thrown in there last year. I was like midseason or something. And, man, he showed some flashes at times. Um, you know, he's a fast guy. Um, he's got that big, long, lanky body. And, and I mean, the rule of thumb in the NFL is, listen, if you're over six foot and you can run a four 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 three somewhere in there, I mean, you're getting drafted. And a lot of times first round, even if you're just an average corner, um, cause, cause they always feel like they can take those guys and, 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 you know, mold them into whatever they want to want to do. Cause I mean, their receivers are tall, man. They're big matchup with them man. run. I mean, you look at the Jalen Ramsey's, you look at the Patrick Peterson's. I mean, those guys, those guys make a lot of money and do pretty well because they're, they're pretty long, lanky guys. So, um, yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll certainly have a shot. I don't know that he'll be that, be that kind of guy, but man, if, if a miles battle at, with his size comes out and plays solid sec football, you can go from a guy who everybody was disappointed into potentially an old Miss draft pick. Well, two big takeaways from Jeff Levy's meeting with the media on Wednesday. One, John Rice Plumley, he mentioned how far he's come in the slot, but also made a point to recognize that it's not going to be one guy, as we've been saying, that's going to replace Elijah Moore. It's going to be a committee. And getting Jerion Ely the ball, not just as a running back, is atop the agenda for him. Then the second thing I thought that was really important was saying how last year how they didn't get uh, spring, didn't really get a preseason, a summer. They didn't get their hands on this team until August. And we mentioned how big of an advantage it is for this group with all the talent coming back offensively that they know what they're doing. And basically he's saying, we don't have to do any of the install stuff anymore. Now we're adding, now we're getting better at what we do. The question I had about if Ole Miss really opened up its offense like it is capable of opening up last year, it was answered by Jeff Levy and that no. There are going to be some new wrinkles added to this. How big of an advantage is that for Ole Miss going into the year to be able to not only hit the ground running so early in fall camp and to be humming along pretty good as an offense, but also adding more and what they could be, how they can improve going into the year? Yeah, and speaking with Jeff multiple times, I mean, his his comments were, hey, man, it's uh, this offense is going to look totally different this year, which, which tells me a couple things. It tells me, one, that um, – that you're right. Last year they were able to put in what they were able to put in, um, kind of a bread and butter type offense. Hey, I'm gonna run it all through Elijah Moore, um, you know, and, and and try to try to get him the ball because because you really didn't have time. But it sounds like this year that they've had time to really figure out who they have, where they're gonna be pieces wise, and really kind of take that next step. Because I mean, once you're in offense for a year and you return almost all your guys back, you don't have to really harp so much on the on the install and, and the little details. And that now all you're trying to do is, is take it to the next level. Like, hey, you, you got plays to teach off of. You got examples to coach off of. Hey, you know, the, the, remember this play versus Arkansas? Hey, remember this play versus Auburn? Um, that, that, that all factors into to, to the knowledge of the offense. You can kind of take a next step. And then and then you go into to the number two where you can go into plays and start adjusting them. Like, hey, on this play, I know I said do this, but remember this game, we're going we're gonna to change it this you know, usually we do this versus this team. You can just really start making adjustments within the scheme, and that's when you become dangerous because because it's not confusing to guys anymore. It's hey, I, I know we're supposed to do this, but during this game, we're gonna we're gonna run it like this and stuff like that. Little stuff like that is huge when, when progressing an offense and becoming really lethal. And another thing he said was that the second team quarterback position has not been decided yet. So while Kincaid Dent opened fall camp as the clear cut number two. Luke Altmaier took the bulk of majority of snaps on Wednesday with the second team. In a pinch, they need a quarterback. They'd probably go to Kincaid Dent, but it's encouraging that Luke Altmaier's making this push. And if, God forbid, something happened to Matt Corral, Luke Altmaier's the quarterback that they build things around. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Luke is, is certainly a guy that's that's gonna gonna be the potential future. Um, you know, after this season, um, it, it just all depends on situations, man. You don't want to lose Matt Crowd. So, listen, if we lose him, it's it's not gonna be a pretty year. No, but it's I a wrap. It's, it's all about Matt yeah, Corral this year. I think I think you I think you keep him healthy and we're good to go. Um, Luke Altmaier, you know, if if Matt Crowell were to get injured for a, a longest period of time, I, I say you go with him just just to build for the future, and then then you probably throw in some wrinkles with John Rice and and kind of create like a serviceable type offense w- between those two. But yeah, if you're in a pinch and Matt Crowell goes, his shoe comes flying off or something, I'm not throwing Luke Altmaier in there for a player or two. I'm I'm going with Dent. So. Um, yeah, it's just, just one of those things where I, I don't think the number two quarterback is is overly important <laughs> this year because if it because if it ever comes where we have to use him for an extended period of time, or um, you know it's it's going to be a rough year. So um, in that case, I'd go with Altmaier just to build for the future and get him experience. What do you like about Luke Altmaier? Um, from from what all I've heard about him, they say he's really dedicated, really smart kid. Um, kind of really is one of those guys who works hard and, and wants to be great. And that's the first thing with a quarterback you got to be that guy. You got to be, you got to be the pretty much the hardest worker in the building because you, you got to learn everything. You got to know how to line guys up. You got to be the, the total leader, and um, you know the they say he throws a really good ball, man. I mean, he's, he knows where to go with it. Throws a solid ball. Um, just I, I think I think he's got all the makings to be a to be a really good quarterback for us. And then you know on top of that, he's a fairly good athlete. You know, doesn't look like it on the hoof, but apparently he can run pretty well. How can you get to the place where Ole Miss would feel comfortable rolling with him? Well, this, the way he should approach this this year is, is, first off, he should be very, very thankful that he has a guy like Matt Corral here um, to really learn. If he's smart, he will literally walk. He will follow that guy all the way around the all the way around the building. Everything he does, he will he will try to pick up and and learn from it and really, really prepare like he's a starter. Learn the plays, go through. I mean, literally, almost prepare like you're going to be the starter and go out there. And if you don't play in the game, that's it's whatever. But really try to go through the routine and go through the process to, to kind of build some confidence and, and learn because after this year you get thrown in there, man, you're going to have to know what to do. So I, I just think that, that he can start by doing that. And then when he goes out there and practice and any reps he gets, you know, whether he's on the card team or whatever he's doing, um, you can't go out there and, and just, and just go through the motions and, and develop bad habits. You need to, you need to prepare like, Hey, even if I'm on the card team and I'm throwing this pass, I'm, 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 you know, I'm trying to get better on that. I'm trying to throw this pass with zip. I'm trying to, I'm trying to act like this is the starting offense's play. So um, you, you just don't want to go through a year where he's going through the motion saying, oh, well, I'm not going to play and creating bad habits and bad muscle memory. Then when it comes your time, you aren't quite prepared because you essentially took a year off. So he's got to take it serious like he is playing and um, whatever reps he does get in practice, um, really go full throttle and, and put put pressure on himself, um, which is which is kind of kind of weird to do, but you kind of feel try to put yourself in a game environment in your head so when you're out there, every pass means something. So if you're missing one, you know it feels like a game miss. You know, you try to put your head in the game, which is, which is kind of a, a good technique to do whenever whenever you're preparing as a backup. Look, I'm talking around the real question. The only good question is he the guy that takes the first snap in the season opener next year? Because Matt Crowell's not going to be here. It's just hard to tell, man. I mean, because what what transfers available? I mean, may, maybe there's a guy out there that isn't available right now that. That Ole Miss you know, loves, and you know maybe he's a five-star guy from this year's class. And just hates when he goes to one of the other schools that has you know good players, and maybe he wants to come play for you. Just don't know. I mean, I, I, that's really that's really an impossible question to answer with the way the portal is nowadays, and and the way the way that the changing parts move. I mean, heck, you could have you could have a five-star quarterback that you never even knew about that's from another school or, or something, or you can recruit a kid that comes in and balls out. So, I think there, I think he's definitely got a shot. Um, but in today's college football, man, you just don't know who can be be behind center next year. NFL organizations are sending scouts back to Ole Miss practices. Early on, four practices in, you've seen the Titans, the Saints, uh, the Rams. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head who's all been out there. A lot of NFL organizations have been represented on the practice field. If you put yourself in those shoes, outside of the obvious Matt Corral, who else are they looking at? Um, I think you got you got three guys that are surely before the fifth round, and that is you got Corral, um, you got Broker and Ben Brown, and then if if Jerry Ely were to leave this year, um, which I don't I don't know that happens, but I think he would certainly be it's within the first five happening. rounds. Maybe, maybe. Okay. Um, uh-huh. I mean, okay. we'll, we'll see how this year goes, but you realize leaving early is like it used to be. Hey, I'm going in the first round. And and if you look at the draft, I mean, the only like one running back goes in the first round. So, 
leaving early isn't what people, I mean, you just don't leave early to go in the third or fourth round. Like that's just not that. I mean, you, you can, but it's, it's nothing like going in the first round as far as guarantee and money. Yeah. But that's not so, going to change you, next year for him. So if he can't improve his stock because running backs have been devalued by the NFL, if he can only go as high as the second round, I could easily see him going. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it just depends on how the season goes. And yeah, if he balls out and he's a sure, you know, maybe mid second rounder, I can see that being the case, but um, you know, anything outside of that, I mean, third round is, I mean, maybe like what a six, $700,000 signing bonus cut in half. Um, then, then you, and it's just uphill battle trying to make rosters and, 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 you know, get the sire, which is, it's good money. Don't get me wrong, but that first round, you know, if, if he were to really take a step this year, that first round money could be you know, a couple million with a, with a guaranteed for four years. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he, he'll, he'll certainly be in, in the conversation of that, but it's just running back nowadays is, is valued a totally different, um, different way. I mean, it's crazy. You look at, um, you look at like the kid from Stanford, um, you know, that really balled out that had un- unbelievable numbers. There's been kids over the, over the years that go, you know, barely make the first round that, that were unreal in college. And then, you know, maybe go in the second, third round and were unreal in college. It's just wild how the running back position has been, um, just been depleted over the, over the years. Going to jump right back to Bradley Sal with Thomas Dillard, former Ole Miss baseball slurred, coming up in just a little bit after I tell you briefly about Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Jerry O'Neilly, Matt Corral, Ben Brown, Nick Broker, who else? Um, I would say people probably looking at Sam Williams. Um, just but but you're gonna need a little more production there to get like a, a high draft pick. Um I mean I'd have to look I'd have to look at the defense side of the ball and really study it. I think you're they're gonna be intrigued, intrigued with a miles battle size. I mean that they come they send scouts to most practices at big SEC schools pretty much on a daily basis. It's always been that way just to kind of really look, look through the talent. There will be guys out there that they're looking at that you would not even think they'd be looking at um, just from a, a pure developmental standpoint. But I think your main ones are, are the two offensive linemen, quarterback and, um, and Ely. I was just curious if they identify guys a couple of years out, if they're looking at freshmen, if they're looking at sophomores, just to keep on their radar. Oh, absolutely. There's no no question. I mean, every every organization has multiple scouts that cover areas, and that's their job. They have to visit each. They, they give them a list of schools, and they have to go to this school X amount of times. And you know, you make a list. You know, you look at guys. Hey, identify a young guy. He's looking good. I'm gonna watch him for the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, they they listen, man. Those that, the scouting departments in NFL are, are high. I mean, they are they're really good at their jobs for for the most part, as far as like you know compiling list and 
and having a beat on guys because when you go to talk to them by the time you're actually going to get drafted they know they know plays from years ago they know examples that they pretty much know everything about you by the time they go to question you because hudson wolf is a good example of a guy that you would probably see an organization target a long ways out because if you go out there and you watch him you notice hudson wolf immediately He's got all the raw potential to be a dynamic tight end, assuming that he's really distanced himself from that injury in high school. So I would buy all the stock in the world in a Hudson Wolf. And that's really been the biggest takeaway for me so far because we know about Matt Corral. We know about Jerry Ely. We know about the offensive line. But tight end has been a question. And yet Chase Rogers has been really good through four practices. Hudson Wolf has flashed already. Maybe we didn't acknowledge or didn't really recognize the depth they actually had understandably so, but at least they have some depth that I don't think we necessarily gave them enough credit for coming in. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, obviously when you, when you see them not make a move at tight end in the transfer portal, it says, it says a couple of things. I mean, obviously it says that, that, um, that there are some guys there they believe in and it, and it says that there was nothing else out there available that they thought was worth taking a, taking a shot on. So, um, yeah, I think it's certainly a, um, a position that could, that could surprise us this year, but, Nonetheless, man, you have a highly ranked tight end that if he, I mean, if you don't, if you didn't get a guy in the portal, older guy, man, why not just put him in there and, and let him, let him grow this year and have as much success as possible and, and learn a lot of different valuable lessons. And then what's a Hudson Wolf going to look like as a sophomore, if he goes in the SEC and plays all year and actually produces, cause he's going to produce in this offense. The ball is coming his way and he will be open a lot because of, because of how hard it is to cover the tight end in this offense. But uh, man, imagine if he had a really good freshman year, then boom, and by the time he's a sophomore, he's a six, seven, two hundred and fifty pound tight end running around out there, and then you got <laughs> you got a pretty big time player. My guy Cedric Johnson was running with the first team on Wednesday. I'm telling you, Cedric Johnson's gonna be that guy. He's gonna be that dude. Yeah, I mean there's been great reports on him, and that that's a position where you need a guy to step up. And um it sounds like he's had a he's really stood out in camp. I've I've seen a few reports on him, so Man, it'd be cool to have him and a Sam Williams um, getting after the quarterback. Um, yeah, that, I think that that would certainly be a, a better look for us this year. It would be dependent on T. Tisdale being able to hold down nose tackle, which we don't know he can do yet. But yesterday, they ran out with the front three, T. Tisdale at nose tackle, and the ends of Cedric Johnson and Sam Williams, which, you know, just made my heart melt. Yeah, man, that sounds um, – I, I guess it sounds like they're doing more of a three down. I'll have to see whenever we um, – whenever we go there, but I wonder if that has to do with, with what they have on the D line or, or what that, what the deal is with that. But yeah, I mean that, um, that, that'll be interesting to look at. Yeah. T Tiz does a big part of this because he could play any number of roles for them because he's versatile enough and he's big enough. Okay. So we've talked all about this in the first four days. What are the next couple of weeks going to be like for them? Um, well, if I'd imagine, have they put on the pads yet? It doesn't, I didn't haven't seen anything. Just shoulder they pads. Yeah, so so I mean they're they're about to get into the dog days here. Where yeah, and the first scrimmage is either pack. Saturday or Sunday. It was originally scheduled for Saturday, but there's a rumor out there that it's going to be pushed to Sunday potentially. Yeah, the, the and listen, the first week is is pretty tough. I mean, you're getting getting used to it, but that you know after that you get into the dog days where it just you, know, you wake up, it's a routine. You know, you, you know you're going to be sore. It's when guys start separating themselves. You know, you, you got you got that first week to kind of fill everything out, and then you know, week two, week three, man, some guys you're looking for guys to start stepping up and standing out a little bit, and um, and showing some leadership, and kind of seeing who your guys are. Cause you've got enough film on them, you know, throughout camp to to make decisions on certain key roles on your team. So, um, yeah, this 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 is this is always a week I used to like, man. I used to like the I used to like when it got real real tough. So. So that way you can kind of see who was who was actually um, pretenders or who's who's contenders. When does it flip from fall camp has opened? We're getting back into it too. Okay, we're preparing for a game. Um, usually, so usually what um, NFL wise, it was always after the the fifty three man roster was made. After that fourth preseason game, um, I mean, you need, I, I never even watched the fourth preseason game on film. It was I went out there played boom, and I knew that. Hey, if I was part of the roster, I was going right on to whoever we were playing the first week. And as soon as that, as soon as that the roster's announced and you you're letting know that you're on the roster, then then it's it's totally it's totally flipped. It's a whole routine that is centered around it's a whole game week routine. It's just same, same, you know it's coming on Monday, you know it's coming on Tuesday, you go right into game game mode. So college wise, you know, for for them they don't get cut and all that. So 
um, yeah, I mean, it's just as soon as camp's over and it's, it's usually that as soon as you get that first couple of days off after camp, I know they usually, usually give you a day or two off there. You kind of flip it over to, Hey, now it's about to be about to be game week. Um, yeah, I mean, but camp and camp and college is so fast. I mean, it's two or three weeks and, and you're done. And you know, then, then it's all on the game week, especially if, if you're a starter. So you're going to go out there this weekend. Um, we'll see if it's, um, it, it, I don't know. Is it open to the public or, or, or no? You're a media member now. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll make a call or two and see if I can go over there. And if watch you it. do we'll, go out there, what do you want to see? What are you going to be keeping your eyes on? Um, I'll, I'll watch a number of things, man. I want to see the, um, I want to see the O-line one. I want to see what, um, what, what, if, what the depth's looking like. I'm excited to see the Hudson Wolf kid. I, I've, I've seen him, you know, in person with a jersey on, but I've never seen him with pads on. Um, I'll be able to tell pretty quickly if he's going to contribute or not, just by just by how he's how he's used and, and how he's moving around and kind of see how he fits in, in a block and little stuff like that. Um, you know, obviously I got I got a good good beat on what the receivers are like. I want to see John Rice um, like run like a receiver. I want to see kind of how he makes his cuts and if he can get open with his feet. Um, I know the running backs are going to be solid, Ely and, and Connor and Paris, those guys. I mean, you, you know what you're getting out of them. And then um, defense side of the ball, man, I want to see what um, I just want to see what some of these guys look like, how they're flying around, what scheme they're running. Are they are they blitzing the quarterback more or or kind of what their thoughts are around on, on being in three down? Um, I don't know if they're trying to switch that drop eight defense that that, that we struggled with last year. But, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what kind of scheme they're doing. It sounds like they're going to they're going to really mix it up this year. Well, defensively, the approach they're taking is really interesting because unlike offensively, when they had a lot of success, defensively they were terrible. So they don't even want to talk about it, nothing. And they're just approaching it like this is a brand-new lease on life. And you can tell it, too, because they do look more competitive. But I don't know if you can really have any takeaways defensively until they get in the game. I feel like defensively, having covered enough of these camps, I think this is my 13th camp, having covered enough of these camps, offensively, you usually see Ole Miss offensively Look about what it's going to look like to start. Defensively, you just cannot read anything about a defense. Because, yes, they could be making some plays and this, that, and the other, but they're also running against an offense that they know everything about. So defensively, how do you come up with any type of judgment? How can you even look and see, okay, there's improvement, there's development. How do you gauge that? Yeah, well, I, I will go as far as just saying it, it. It's really hard to evaluate any team or offense or defense or, or how good any team is because these coaches, they script these practices. And very, very, very rarely do they go out there and actually play where they, where they, where they, they do calls that they don't know what's coming. They match plays with, with certain defensive calls and they match offensive plays. So it's always set up to where, Hey man, the offense looks really good one day. Defense looks bad. I mean, it's just a weird, weird dynamic. And you really don't know what you got to the first game. Um, and that, that goes for, that goes for both sides to, to actually play and have to game plan versus another team. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it just well, what I would like to see defensive wise. I mean, you, first off, you, you look at scheme, and then, then then you look at you look at players from last year, and you say, "Hey, does this guy look like he got any better?" You know, it, w- which you would assume that you know, full off season, full spring, the, the, this defense was at the bottom. Uh, I mean, it was at its floor. There's no way that that you're you're worse than last year. So, I think you see it. You see a big jump here, and, and you're right. I mean, you get a full full year of, of Otis Reese. You got Jacob Springer. You got a Miles battle that's going to be a full. I mean, you got some guys that 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 should be pretty good players this year for us, and um, you know, we'll just see what happens on the D line, man. We'll see if we got some got some improvement there. What I've really been watching out for is glue guys. It's an obvious thing that most people know about, but glue guys for me are those players that aren't Matt Corral, that aren't Jerry Ailey, the obvious guys that have to be good at their particular spot or competent enough for Ole Miss to play up to his capabilities. First off is Orlando Umana, the transfer you from Utah, who's going to play center. Another one is Chase Rogers. Another one is Cedric Johnson. You can pick out these guys that don't have to be superstars, but they have to be good enough. And so far, the reports on all of these guys, Chase Rogers, Orlando Umana, Cedric Johnson in particular, are glowing. So that's where I get my most encouragement from. And that's why I ask about what can you really take away as far as judgment on the team stuff. And I don't really think you need to look at that so much as pick out some guys at particular spots that need to be good. Because you take Orlando Umana out of the equation. Suddenly Ole Miss, as far as an offensive line goes, yeah, they've got some depth. The question marks become that much greater. If you take Chase Rogers out of the equation, Hudson Wolf is now the top-end guy, I guess, at tight end. Maybe Demarcus Thomas. That becomes a question mark. The question mark we thought it was going to be coming into fall camp. On and on like that. So that's what I've been watching out for. I'm not really looking at the team stuff. 
this defense knows this offense, that offense knows that defense. Not a lot's going to get done that, that really pushes any kind of perception forward. But if you look at particular guys, well, then it becomes a little bit more interesting. Yeah, with, with every team I've ever been on, um, the, the teams that ended up being really good, you had um, – you had you had the role players were 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 ended up being solid players and Bruce Arians used to say it the best man he was the most real coach I ever played for and the nights before games he would put a list on the on the screen he was he would put five star players and he would list Larry Fitzgerald or Patrick Peterson or whatever you know whoever whoever we had that he that he classified as five star players which it was kind of funny because some of the other guys would be like man I guess I ain't a five star player but. He'd put a list of five or six guys. He would say, these guys have to win the game. And then the, the rest of you guys are role players. Y'all have to not mess it up. And y'all have to y'all have to perform. So it was, I always, always thought it was interesting how he always relied on the, the role players to, hey, you can't hold these five stars back. So it was always our job to step up and, and you know be really good and, and be a solid role player. And I always thought that was, that was cool. I respect that because every good team has glue guys all over the field. And and you're only as good as your, you know, as your worst guys. So um, I always thought that that was pretty cool. And um, yeah, I mean, you, you got to have, you got, and every team has their good superstars, but you got to have good solid role players that, that are making, making the engine go. Okay. So if we had to pick the six superstar guys, you play Bruce Arians for Ole Miss football. Who are the six superstars? <laughs> All right. Number one, I'm going to go. Um, this Matt, is Corral. Yeah. Matt Corral yeah. by far the whole team runs through him. I'd say number two, um, it's probably going to be Jerry on Ely. He's going to have to, I mean, he's going to have to be, he, he is, he is a superstar at this point for Ole Miss. Um, number three is going to be Otis Reese. He'd be classified as a five-star guy. Um, number four, I'm, I'm saying Nick Broker. He's your left tackle. He's got to, got to play big. And number five is probably going to be one of the receivers, maybe, a um, maybe a Braylon Sanders or, a, um, or a, maybe a Drummond. Um, one of those those guys are going to have to be um, be a five star type player for us. You didn't get six. And number six. Um, it's hard. Yeah, it is hard for number six. Uh, I'm gonna say maybe a Sam Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe he he needs to he needs to produce. I mean, I thought I thought last year was um, you know he was good at times, but there was times where he wasn't really wasn't really getting any pressure this year. He needs to be a he needs to get pressure on the quarterback like like he like he has done in the past and. And like like he's capable of. All right, three guys that could step into superstar player mode. Three guys that could step into superstar. So so number one, um, John Rice Publin. You know I'm gonna say that. God man, John you just Rice. love you some John Rice man. Listen though, man, you, you don't. This is this dude could, with all the stuff he can do and how smart he is, man, he could end up being a a, a really really solid piece of this offense and could be a, kind of one of those guys that can be a home run guy for us, man. So um, I say John Rice could step into that that mode. He's not quite there yet, just because he's moving a receiver. Um, maybe a Snoop Connor, but he's he's just not going to get enough. I don't think he's going to get enough run with with he's his carries going to be split. So so maybe not him. I would say a um, a Drummond, but maybe Drummond could step into superstar status. And then on defense, um, I'm going to go with the dark horse here. Let's go with um, let's go with is it Chase or Chance Campbell, yeah. the new guy. Imagine having a linebacker that steps up that can, that's all over the field and, and and giving us one of the old Rory Johnson type of performances. Rory Johnson, one of the most underrated Ole Miss Rebels to ever play here. One hundred percent, he was really good. Just a monster. He was everywhere, always around the ball. I thought you were going to say Miles Battle. I was just teeing it up for you, and nothing. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely he definitely can. Um, he, he's you know certainly in that conversation could could step up, make some good plays for us. Um, but you know, you just have to see him. He's just like John Rice. He's kind of new to the position, so making him a superstar w- would be tough. I think he, I think he falls in that category of a very solid role player. Could I sell you Cedric Johnson, Lakia Henry, Markevius Brown? I know he's a freshman. Tysheem Johnson. All, all, all candidates. That, so I, I would put them. I would classify them under the the younger guys under the breakout. Like who's going to be that? I don't want to go baseball route, but who's going to be that Jacob Gonzalez or the, or the McCants just kind of come out of nowhere guys. You'll have one of those. You will have one of those this year that, that it happens every year. We just don't know who it is right now. And, and that there's certainly candidates for that. Maybe it's a Hudson Wolf, but um, yeah, there's going to be a freshman that that's going to blow our minds at some point. I think that, Braylon that, that Brown happens. could be that guy because Braylon Brown hurt his ankle on Tuesday, came out and didn't do too much. But on Wednesday, he looked like the guy that we expected him to be, that four-star wide receiver coming out of high school. And, of course, 
if I'm going to be talking about him the whole time, this whole hour, Hudson Wolf. I love the build. I love the makeup. He just looks like a tight end. If you're playing video games, that's how you would design him. 6'4", 250, athletic, can jump, good hands, can block enough. That's what you look for. So if I'm going to look at freshmen and buy some stock, Hudson Wolf, Braylon Brown, maybe a little Brandon Buckhalter, definitely some Markevious Brown, and some Tysheem Johnson. Yeah, all solid picks to to step up and and um and I mean you're hoping you're hoping you get a couple of those guys that are that are ballers that step in there and play. Um, yeah, I mean there's our, our freshman class. I, I know they're very excited about and um, should should have a chance to to have a few guys showcase. Well, Levy brought up Cedric nicely, but we know this. Cedric nicely is a freshman offensive tackle, and when he was talking about the lack of depth on the outside on the offensive line, because he got a lot of depth on the interior, not a lot on the outside. He brought up Cedric nicely as one of the names. Tobias Braun was another one. He's a returning guy, retro freshman, and he brought up somebody else that I'm just forgetting. Maybe Cedric Melton. But Cedric nicely, he's not going to give you a lot because freshman, true freshman offensive linemen, that's the hardest spot to break in on, especially at tackle. Yeah, certainly. Um... You know, those guys usually as a freshman come in and the biggest the biggest challenge is is one technique and two is is a strength issue. Like, you know, you're you're eighteen, you just turned eighteen, eighteen years old and you're going against a twenty two year old that's been in the weight room for four years and, and has some experience. I mean, it is a little bit of a mismatch um physically. So um but I mean there are guys that do it. I mean they're there but most of those guys are Laramie Tunsils and the Greg Littles of the world and, and guys that are that are a little bit, you know, a little bit more mature, but yeah, I mean, it, it's there, there will certainly, I think the O-line depth is a, um, it's one of those things I'll be looking out for. Um, I, I think that, you know, I think we have a solid O-line. I still think the depth, you know, I got to kind of see how all the pieces fit. Um, and the one cool thing about this offense is, you know, it's, you can kind of, you can hide a guy or two on, on the O-line just judged off of some of the protections they do. Some of the, you know, sliding protections, all kinds of different stuff you can do to protect an O-lineman, but, but you can't protect, you know, every guy. So, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what the depth looks like and, and what, what some of the freshmen look like. I, 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 once I see pass rush and a couple of drills, I'll, I'll be able to tell you which guys can, can actually contribute. The top 25 coaches poll came out. Ole Miss was number 25. The last round of bowl projections that I looked at, Ole Miss was going to the Gator Bowl. So what was your hype level coming into fall camp, and has it moved in any way? I think that I think those projections are fairly, um, you know, fairly fair, fair to Ole Miss right now. Just um, just based off the fact that you know we did only go five and five last year, so um, you know there, there's really no um, no need for for the national media to pump us up. But um, I will say this though, knowing what what we know because we follow them close, and and knowing what um, you know how close they were last year. You know, when people make projections and stuff. They're not really dissecting Ole Miss and really understanding what what kind of season they had last year. I mean, they were really close to being a you know eight win team in all SEC schedule, and that's just facts. I mean, there, there was three, there at least three other games they could have won that, that 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 they lost. So, um, and that that's impressive. They got almost everybody coming back. So, I think that it's it's a fair assessment to to, to say that that we're probably going to be a little better than, than both those projections. But what was your hype coming into fall camp, and has it moved in any way? After four practices, do you feel no? Any it different? hasn't. I don't feel any different because I haven't been out there to see them, um, to see them live, and to kind of, kind of see, make, make sure everything I think is confirmed. But I'm still high on Ole Miss, man. I, I think that, um, and I'm not just saying because I'm a homer, but um, I, I just think if you look at the, what they did last year, if, if they come out this year and don't um, have a worse year, something crazy had to have happened because you have everybody back you compete in every game everybody else lost a lot more than you did um your coaches are with you all year explain to me how you can make a, a bearish case on Ole Miss being a worse football team you you can't I, I think that I think that, that, that the floor and this would have to be catastrophic is seven wins and um you know I, and I don't think that's the case you have some winners on staff you have a coach that's not going to accept seven wins and you certainly have an offensive coordinator that knows nothing but winning so 
um, I, I think it's a fair assessment to have high expectations for Ole Miss this year. He's Bradley Sal. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. If you haven't already subscribed, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. We can be found wherever you get your podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Going to go now to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Thomas Dillard, former Ole Miss slugger, now with the Milwaukee Brewers. Promoted to A Biloxi. But before we jump to him, see you, buddy. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. Going to jump right now to Thomas Dillard on the Modern Woman phone line. But first, let me tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Finally, at long last, Oxford is getting back to normal. The sun is shining. Those dreary winter months, they're behind us. Better yet, you actually get to experience Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What a world. What better way to get there than in a new car, truck, or Jeep? The only place to go for your next vehicle is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. They'll take care of you. And I know, because I've bought a car there myself. And the experience was too easy. Seamless, even. Their only goal is to get you in the vehicle you've always wanted at a good price. So reach out today. Don't wait. Give them a call, 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's 2201 East University Avenue, just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Sheep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Oxford, Mississippi is always at its best in the spring and summer. The sun is shining, the square is popping, and you actually now get to go back to Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What could be better? But the only way to truly enjoy everything that Oxford and Ole Miss has to offer is to make sure you're still taking care of yourself, keeping yourself safe, and that you have a pharmacy you know you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter going down to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to Thomas Dillard, former Ole Miss baseball slugger, now with the Milwaukee Brewers organization. Thomas, what's up, man? How you doing? Ben, what's up? I'm glad to be back on here. Thanks for coming on, man. Like I said, promoted to double-A from high-A, coming back home to Mississippi. How exciting is that for you? Uh, it's, it's really exciting, and I don't think it could have worked out better that uh, we're playing at Pearl this week, so it'll be just a little bit closer for all the family to come see. What was that conversation like when the manager calls you into the office, says you're getting promoted? Does it feel like the accomplishment because the grind is so tough? Right. It was It was really cool. Um, it definitely felt cool um, to get told that I'm heading back to Mississippi. So what all work have you put in to get to this point to where now you are getting promoted? Uh, you know, it's just it just goes to, um, you know, being consistent every day because we play six days a week um, for 20 straight weeks, and you can turn an 0 for 4 into an 0 for 25 really quickly in just five days. Um, so it's just taking each pitch by itself and each at-bat by itself and just going up there and trying to compete. And uh, I think if you just keep that mindset, uh, you'll shave off the the grind a little bit more. Everybody that remembers you at Ole Miss remembers the slugging left fielder Thomas Dillard. Has anything really changed as far as the profile? Have you added anything in particular to your game to get you to this point? Um, Nothing nothing too much different. I've been playing a lot more infield lately. Um, But, you know, just trying to get up there and get a pitch to drive still. So, uh, 
just going up there and uh, trying to put a good at bat together for my team. You mentioned playing the infield. You were a catcher at Oxford before you came to Ole Miss and became a primary left fielder. For you, did they got you at first base? Where are they really working you in particular? Uh, yeah, I've been playing first base a lot this year. I've caught probably uh, 12 games. Um, but we were uh, we had some injuries early on in the year in the infield, so I played first every day for a while. Um, but, you know, just kind of working there right now, still getting my work in in the uh, corner outfield and then catching some bullpens whenever I can. Do you feel natural at first base? Uh, it, it did take a little bit of adjustment. That's one of the positions I played growing up. Um, you know, I tried to play as many positions as I could just to prepare me for stuff like this. But uh, there's definitely some uh, some little technical things that I've had to uh, work on and get comfortable with, but I've really enjoyed uh, working over there this year. Now, before you left Ole Miss, you were leading off. Tell me they got you leading off. Thomas Dillard, the leadoff hitter, was one of the most fun things I've ever covered in Ole Miss baseball history. <laughs> uh, I've been hitting fourth this whole year. Um, the, past, the last series uh, in high – I ended up hitting uh, second a few games, so that was a change. But basically fourth this year trying to drive in some runs. What is the approach like when you step into a box? When did you really learn to take the approach that you take now, which is patience, uh, swinging hard, making good contact? When did it start to click for you that put you on the track to get to where you are now? Um, you know, I've always kind of been a, a patient hitter um, and trying to get a pitch that I can really drive. But I think back to my, my freshman year summer when I was in the Cape. Um, you know, I, I realized how good the pitchers were then um, and then the pitching that I was going to be facing in my college career and even farther than that. Um, so I had to kind of simplify my, my approach and my swing uh, to where I could make more consistent contact. So I think it's just going up there and, um, you know, trying to get a pitch to hit and trying not to do too much with it because – um, there's some really good pitchers out there, and if you if you make some uh, mental mistakes or anything like that, they'll put you away pretty quickly. What's one of the biggest things you've learned so far in your professional career? Because we all hear about the grind that is the minor leagues. So what have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about that process that has gotten you so far? I, I think it's just really taking it one pitch at a time, honestly, because uh, if you think about, um, you know, when we're back in May, if you think about, September 19th is the last game of the season. You know, that's four months ahead. And uh, you think about how much stuff you do every day and uh, you can get overwhelmed quickly. So if you just think about it, uh, going pitch to pitch, bat to bat, game to game, uh, I think that can that can uh, slow things down for you and um, kind of just help you mentally. Because if you get if you get caught up in all that, you can get really overwhelmed really fast. There wasn't a minor league season last year, so not getting that. How big of an adjustment is that? Because no one else has had to go through that before. Y'all are the first crop of minor leaguers to have to go right. through that. So what's that like? Um, it, it was interesting for sure because last year was going to be my first full season. Um, and everybody had always said, you know, uh, that first half season you play is nothing like your first full season. Um, so last year with the alternate site was awesome. Um, but, you know, getting uh, spring training this year, and then a full season, even though it is a little bit shortened season, has been awesome. Um, and, you know, you really get to discover a lot about yourself and uh, figure some stuff out. Organizationally, what have the conversations been like for you in particular? Do they have a particular individual plan for each guy? Do they talk to you about those kind of things at all? Yeah, they do. They, they uh, kind of tell us the thought that they want or that they see for us in the future. And uh, they try to get us, you know, plans to get to that Um so basically just kind of what we talked about, just being a guy that's going to drive in runs and uh, try to be patient at the plate and hit the ball hard. Um, we, we're pretty big into analytics with the Brewers, and I've kind of simplified that to swing at strikes, take balls, and hit the ball hard, and uh, I think you'll end up doing fine. Well, that fits you pretty well then, Thomas, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, uh, there's a lot of different um, measurables and all that kind of stuff in there, but I've kind of just simplified it to that, and it uh, – it seems to, to make it a little bit easier for me. What's it like being on the road and constantly playing and, and probably in stadiums where there's not a lot of fans? What's that whole experience been like for you? Um, it's, it's definitely interesting for sure, and it's been a little bit different this year with um, playing the six-game series instead of the three- or four-game series like, like normally. So uh, we've been uh, – we're actually – Alexi's going to be on a two-week road trip when I joined them. 
we'll be in Pearl for a week, and then we drive to Biloxi for a day, and then we're in uh, Pensacola for a week. So it's just kind of getting used to living out of a bag, um, getting close with your roommate, because um, you'll you know you wake up wake up pretty late because you went to sleep pretty late because of the night game, um, and you just definitely have to get used to it. But uh, it's just going out there, and like I've said all day, it's just you know taking it day by day, and it is it is difficult, you know, uh, having to Uber eats a lot of food because uh, you don't have a car <laughs> on the road or anything like that. Um, so it's it's been a grind, like they say, but it's definitely fun. Do you think it'll make it easier now that you're going to be in Mississippi a lot? You know this place. Right. I'm, I'm excited about it because uh, the Southern League is all fairly close to Oxford. Um, you know, there's some teams in Alabama and then obviously the Mississippi Braves and then some teams in Tennessee. So it's definitely going to gonna help because it's just going to feel like uh, more home to me because, you know, I loved Wisconsin when I was up there, but uh, definitely some different accents and all that kind of stuff. So being back in the South is uh, definitely going to be uh, easy on the mind for me. Have you gotten back to Oxford yet? Uh, I actually stopped in Oxford last night at about 5 o'clock and got to get some dinner with my parents and uh, ride around in the in the golf cart on the course for a little bit with my dad. Um, so I got I got a brief stop there, but I'm heading to, heading to Pearl right now. That had to be a nice respite. You get to eat with the family, lay in your own bed for a minute or two. Did it feel like a nice just break from the whole grind of it all? It, it really did, and I was talking with my mom. It's kind of unfair. Um, you know, I, I get that little glimpse of it, and then I have to go right back to it. Um, but it is just a good little refresher just to uh, kind of clear the mind and then get back to it. My dad made a comment today. It's, it's almost like there's a second season starting today. Um, so I'm excited to get out there and get going with the Shuckers. Oxford's a little different now, too, Thomas. I didn't get to see. I didn't get to look around it too much, but uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of construction going on, all that kind of stuff, like always. So, are you paying attention to the baseball team, the football team? Are you still locked in on Ole Miss stuff? I'm uh, I'm extremely locked in. So I'm I'm excited about this football season for sure. See, there you go. That's what I was going to ask you. You're fired up about football. What are you paying attention to with Lane Kiffin in the second year? Being a fan, you're a fan now. It's different, right? You can just enjoy it for what <laughs> right. it is. So, what's that like for you? Uh, I'm just really excited about um, our offense this year. I think I think Matt has a legitimate chance to, uh, you know, be a Heisman contender at the end of the year if he if he grows like he continues to grow. Um, you know, Jerry and Ely and John Rice are going to be about as explosive explosive as you could want out there. Um, so it's going to be awesome to watch, and it's just going to be really dynamic. So. I'll definitely be be really tuned in this year. Do you still have friends on the football team, on the baseball team? I know on the baseball team you do, but to see those guys now stepping into the roles that maybe you were playing as a junior, seeing them develop, what's that like to be on the other end of it in that way? Uh, it's definitely cool. You know, you kind of feel like an older brother. Um, I was texting John Rice Plumley the other day because uh, Derek Diamond has been uh, cutting people's hair. And uh, John Rice, because he just got, yeah. So John Rice had just uh, got a haircut from him. So I was texting him to see how it turned out. So I actually uh, went over to Derek's house this morning at 8:30 and got a haircut. So how's Derek doing? Because I know he's been dealing with a little bit of stuff, like the shoulder deal. Yeah, Derek's doing good. He got his tonsils removed and was back in California for a while, but he's fully healthy and. Uh, you know, lifting with the team right now, and they're excited to get everybody back and the transfers in and uh, the freshmen. So they're uh, they're looking forward to this year for sure. What is Derek Diamond, the hairstylist, like? Derek is, uh, I think Derek may be one of the most talented people I know when it comes to just anything you could think of. He's, he's pretty good at, whether it's like riding a skateboard or stuff like that. Derek's really good at it. Um, but you know, he's got his little setup in their, uh, their dining room with, uh, he's got these latex gloves that he wears and he gets into it. He's, he's a really good, uh, really good at cutting hair. Those guys frustrate the hell out of me. The guys that are just good at everything. Doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. I think you could just give Derek anything, you know, like a set of hockey skates and a 
and a stick, and he'd go out there and be a, a great hockey player. He's just one of those guys. Well, a lot of guys are coming out, got drafted, speaking specifically of Gunner, of Doug. For those guys, you gave them advice. They're about to start the process that you're deep into now. What kind of advice would you provide to them? Um, you know, just this year, kind of get your feet wet. Um, it is a lot different going right into uh, pro ball. You know, it's um, obviously it's not as structured as uh, as Coach B has the Rebels in Oxford. But, um, you know, just go out there, get your feet wet, get you a, um, some sort of regimen um, because you are playing every day. So you got to, you know, figure out how to take care of your body all that kind of stuff and uh, just really go out there and enjoy it it seems such an obvious question but for a guy like Doug that's polished for a guy like Gunner who's coming off an injury obviously is it easier to make that adjustment maybe than another guy who's got to do some developmental stuff maybe the organization says we got this plan for you if you kind of know who you are you know who they are is it a little bit of an easier adjustment just to go out there and play your game yeah it's definitely it's definitely um, easier for that um but you know, it's it's just you got to think that it's just baseball. You know, it's the same game you've been playing since you were five years old. So if you just go out there and um, do what you've always done, um, you know, it'll take care of take care of itself. Everyone everyone's skilled at this level. It's it's honestly the mental thing that'll separate a lot of people because, like we've hinted on in this this talk, you know, playing every day is just a grind. Um, you know, coming from college. Uh, it's a lot different. And then just, you know, being away from your family and friends for uh, six or seven months out of the year, living out of a bag in a hotel. Um, it's just, the, I guess, the stronger-minded people that kind of come out of that successful. Um, so it is a little bit different for sure. What do you do when you're not playing ball? Uh, I, I've been golfing a lot this year. I, we have every Monday off, um, so – me and my roommate up in uh, Appleton would go golf every Monday. Um, so we got to get play at a few nice courses up in Wisconsin. I was actually planning on playing Whistling Straits next Monday. Um, that had to come down here. But, yeah, just wake up in the morning um, around 11-ish because, you know, we go to sleep so late because we don't get done with the game until 11, and then your body's still kind of energized from the game. So uh, it seems like my schedule's moved back a little bit but uh just rest a lot and then i'm at the field for probably from about one until midnight every every day so what is thomas dillard the golfer like surprisingly decent with the wedges and uh, got a little touch but i think you could uh assume with the driver that i'm letting it eat and got a little slice on it so uh i've been controlling the tempo and trying to keep it in play more but uh I get in trouble in scrambles because they'll ask me to just hit it as far as I can, and then I get mad at myself because I'm hitting it out of bounds. Um, but depends if I'm trying to score or not, because if I'm trying to score, I keep the driver in the bag. Look, Thomas, if you'd asked me, Ben, okay, what do you think Thomas Dillard's like as a golfer? I would say the first thing. He hits the absolute piss out of the ball. Yeah, that, that's about it. My whole deal with golf is I've decided to quit trying to be good at it. See, but guys like you – super competitive, played a sport at the highest level, it's got to be more frustrating because you expect to go out there and just dominate, right? Right. You go you go play once a week and uh, don't practice at all, but you go out there and expect to shoot in the seventies, and it's just not a fair assumption. But uh, I can get frustrated on the first hole pretty easily. Well, one of the last things I'll let you go, did you pay attention last year to the Ole Miss baseball season to see them kind of go through it and to fall one game short how tough was it on your end? Because you still feel a part of it, right? Right, yeah. I, I definitely still feel a part of it. And my roommate on the road this year uh, was joking that he felt like he was an Ole Miss fan this year um, because uh, if there was an Ole Miss game on at any time, I'd have it up on the TV stream, and so he'd always get mad at me for that. Um, but it was it was really cool to watch them this year. Um, you know, there was a lot of injuries, a lot of adversity, and uh, Coach B's always kind of preached that next man up mentality um, and, you know, to roll with the punches because everybody's going to get hit. Um, so it was it was awesome to watch them this year, um, to see Doug through the, throw the way that he did. And, you know, some of those younger arms step up. And then, obviously, the offense was just amazing to watch them hit this year. So seeing them back next year is going to be amazing. And uh, I'm really excited to watch.
You mentioned that you've been around the team and they're excited about the pieces they brought in as far as pitchers because that was the focus, losing Doug, losing Gunner. So to see what they've brought in, what is the general feeling right now? Because they got everybody coming back in the lineup. Uh, I was talking with Derek this morning while he was cutting my hair and he said uh, said he hadn't had a chance to meet the freshmen yet because he was in California when they were here. Um, but he's met the – there's a transfer from, I guess, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. Um, he said he's a good guy with some with some good stuff. And then uh, Dunhurst was saying that the the guy from Oregon State is a really plus pitcher. Um, so I think it's think it's good that we're getting some guys that have been there before with some experience that can come in and uh, help out right away. And you know, Coach Lafferty, Coach Bianco, and uh, Coach Clem are always going to recruit some good baseball players. So there'll definitely be some freshmen that'll help out. So. Uh, I'm expecting the, the staff to keep up with the hitters for sure. You've been through one of those game three situations before where you can advance and go to Omaha. Y'all fell short. They fell short. What's the secret sauce? How do you break through? What's the advice to those guys next year? If they get in that place again where they can advance to Omaha, what kind of mindset do you have to have to get there? Um, I think it's just go out there and play your game. I think we're going to have uh, the talent to go out there and get back to Omaha for sure. But uh you know it's hard not to do it, but you just can't treat Game Three like it's um, like it's any bigger of a game. If you just if you just go out there um, and do what you've done all year, you're talented enough, and our team's good enough to to win. So just go out there and do your job, and I think everything will take care of itself. Are you still pimping home runs? You still watching them? Uh, I I watch a few every now and then. Uh, I hit one I hit one last week at Beloit's new stadium that I. I think may have been my farthest measured one I've hit in a while uh, that I I took a good look at. I think it went 473 on the track, man. Oh, my God. Uh, admired that one a little bit, but uh, still pimping a few for sure. You got to, man. 470 plus? I would watch that thing for like 10, 15 seconds, for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah, that, w- that was a fun one. He's Thomas Diller, former Ole Miss slugger, now with the Milwaukee Brewers, promoted to double A. Congrats, my friend. I appreciate you. We'll talk again. Thank you, Ben.